0: There are a lot of Christians today who say they have more problems with people inside of the church than outside of it. Now, why is that? And what can we do to overcome some of the problems we have among people who are of the same mindset in their faith as we are? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and let's get into it. Oh, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez here with you as always. So blessed to be with you guys in studio as we continue our study here in First Thessalonians chapter 5. We are now podcast 203. And the last previous one that we covered, if you did not check that out or you missed that episode, of course, you can always go where you get your podcasts and check out First Thessalonians chapter 5. We looked at verses 12 and 13, and the title there was Respecting Those Who Are Over You. And one of the things that we looked at was how we are to acknowledge the people that we respect, who work hard among us, and who admonish us. And we know, my friends, especially in America today, that there are a lot of people who are pastors, who are you know um, in a position of authority, and yet in this high status that they hold, are not true, honorable, spiritual leaders. Now, it's not because they teach false doctrine, even though there are many who do, unfortunately. And there are people who teach sound doctrine, but are not living morally according to the scriptures. But there are a lot of people who are, quite honestly, uh, a lot of dead weight in the church. They don't really love the people. They're not really shepherding the people. Matter of fact, they cause more difficulty They bring more controversy or they avoid it. I mean, the last thing you want in a shepherd, my friends, is someone who's passive aggressive. And so we looked at how we are to respect a certain kind of leader. Now we respect the office of the pastorate, but in scripture that we looked at in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, it doesn't say that we are to esteem every single pastor because notice it says, their qualifications is that we are to love them because of their work and we are to be at peace among ourselves. So we are not to look for controversy. We're not to cause problems. Obviously we are to admonish those around us in a respectful manner. And we need to make sure that the people that we are under an authority, notice it says that they are over us in the Lord, just like when it says wives, wives be submissive to your husbands as unto the Lord. When it says, uh, husbands, love your wives, um, you know, according to the way Christ loves the church, that's our standard. So if you are under leadership who are not living according to the mandates of scripture, then you're not to respect that individual, plain and simple. Remember that word respect is to acknowledge in high status, to show honor. I'm not gonna show honor towards a pastor who is not living according to scripture, who's taking the scripture out of context to satisfy their own desires or to appease a group of people in the congregation. If somebody is mishandling a situation that runs contrary to scripture, if they're not fulfilling their obligation as unto the Lord in their role, remember, leader's to guide and to lead people in the ways of the Lord. And if they're not doing that, you're not to have high honor for them. And notice another thing that we talked about in the last podcast was that word labor that we talked about was to engage in hard work. So yes, I encourage all of you out there, no matter what church you're a part of, non-denominational, Lutheran church, Methodist church, if they're teaching God's word, and yet you look at the staff of pastors and they're not engaging in hard work, challenge them. Lovingly approach them and say, "You know, again, what are you doing in your role? And with the tithes that we are contributing to this church to strengthen people's faith, to make disciples. The Bible says that they are among you and they are over you in the Lord and they admonish you. That term carries several meanings. It means to give advice, to direct you, to correct you, to warn you, to rebuke you. So again, how many of the pastors in your life that you're under are giving you godly advice. They are directing you. I'm not just saying from the pulpit, that's easy. That is easy. And I tell that with some of my pastor friends who, who are honored to fill the pulpit every Sunday. And they will tell you, the good shepherds that is, that that is not even a fraction of what they're called to do in that church. Now, obviously, Sunday's game day, if you will, where you get most people that are there to listen. And that is very vitally important. And it does establish the direction, right, of the church. But there's far more that goes into being a pastor who labors among you. It's not just preaching on a Sunday. Matter of fact, most pastors, remember, that are fulfilling those roles don't preach on a Sunday. Those are usually led or or, or being led by a lead pastor, senior pastor, or the teaching pastor, whatever the title may be in their church. But correcting and warning and rebuking, that takes a lot of work, just like parenting. Okay, you never come to a point in your parenting where you've arrived. You're always directing, you're always giving advice, you're always correcting, you're warning, rebuking. And the more kids you got, the, the more that's going on. And so I hope that that was an encouragement for those who did listen to that podcast. And again, if you didn't, I encourage you to check that out. And if you have a question, regarding uh, leadership in your church. You guys know my heart here in Stand Strong Ministries as a pastor, speaker, apologist, writer. We try to provide content to reinforce biblical truth in your life so you can stand strong in your faith. And it starts in the word of God. And if you are troubled, if you have a question and you don't know what to do in in this situation in your church, matter of fact, I just recently was talking to a group of people in ministry and contemplating what their next moves are going to be. What they're, uh, you know, feeling from the Lord as to to stay or to go to to leave this current church that's very unhealthy, and are walking in disobedience and to plan a new church. And so, if you guys are maybe in ministry and you're listening to this, perhaps you're in a full time role in a church and you're struggling and you have a question, you can reach me at info at StandStrongMinistries.org. Now, before we dive into 1 Thessalonians, as I'm recording this, we have jumped into a new year, 2023. And I can't tell you how fast, obviously, time has gone just in the growth of my kids and seeing how the ministry is expanding, our listenership on this podcast, your guys' support. So I just want to take a moment to thank any one of you out there who have prayed for this ministry, who faithfully listened to the content each episode and you've shared it out there, and also for those who have graciously given to support this ministry. Because of your giving, because of your prayers, because of you standing strong with us, we are able to reach so many people around the world every single day. And it's because of people like you. So, I just want to pause and say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love and for your support. And it's also exciting as we go into a new year. And even the last few months, as we've been writing a lot, I've been writing two new books. They're going to be coming out this year. We haven't been able to record this particular podcast as much in the last quarter of last year. But even seeing the growth and the response of previous episodes, people studying the Gospels, people studying the book of Acts. People studying the book of James is exciting. So, and I'm excited as we finish this chapter, we're gonna be diving into 2 Thessalonians chapter two. So enough with that. Now let's transition into this next segment. And again, in context, this is so important because as I was giving you guys a recap about respecting your spiritual leadership in verses 12 and 13, we're gonna see in verse 14 that we are called to take care of other people. And then as we look in verse 15, or excuse me, yeah, in verse 15 and following, we're gonna see how we need to exercise restraint with difficult people. Now, this all comes together because number one, in context, we need to be under people who we respect. We need to be under people who are exhorting us, who are encouraging us. And number two, as we're gonna look in verse 14 before we look at verse 15, we need to make sure that we're actually serving the needs of other people. That, my friends, Then leads to number three and how we are to exercise restraint with difficult people. See what I found before we dive in, let me just say this. What I found in my pastoral ministry through the years is so many people have issues with others and obviously we, we all have them, but they don't know how to exercise restraint. And and, and then I find another thing going on with this person is that they're not really under guidance, under spiritual mentorship, they're not being shepherded. And so that's a huge problem because all of it is on them and they're not accountable. The other aspect I see too, is that a lot of people who have issues with people and they're trying to deal with difficult people and they don't know what to do. A lot of them don't even know where to serve or they're not serving and they don't know their spiritual gifts. And then again, they're not under leadership. So all of this goes together. We need to be grounded in God's word. We need to be under fruitful Godly leadership. We need to be serving and loving others. And then, as we look at verse 15 in a minute, this will help us, my friends, exercise restraint when dealing with someone who is being very difficult. And that will vary, obviously, depending on the person, the situation. So, let's do this. Let's read verses 14 and 15. And then, what we're going to do is we're going to close out by looking at seven things in the next episode about how we are to live our lives. What Paul does, and this is something he commonly did, is he's going to give seven exhortations. Now the three, the first three, uh, we'll see next episode are personal exhortations. So again, this will feed into what we're going to be talking about today. And you know, here on the podcast, we're looking at context. Keep everything in context so we could better understand what Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through that instrumentation of the third person of the Trinity, was trying to convey to the church so we don't miss it. Okay. And then we'll see later the other exhortations about how to grow in our faith. And so all of this is going to be linked together, right? So kind of look at it as part two of what we talked about last week or the last podcast. And then part three will be when we talk about these seven exhortations. So here we see in verse 14 now says, and we urge you. Okay. And we urge you. So again, what was he talking about previously? Well, we were just recapping. He says, we, verse 12, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. That's why in verse 14, he says, and we urge. So he's not, he's not finished. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, it's parakaleo. He's giving it an appeal So he says, and not only that, but we also urge you, we're also appealing to you, my brothers, he says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And then he says in verse 15, see that no one repays, that literally means, see that no one pay back anyone evil for evil, but always seek, literally he's saying, but pursue, strive to do good to one another and to everyone. So let's jump back to verse 14 here. And one of the things that we see as we again going back to verses 12 and 13, we respect and admo- uh, we respect and honor those who are uh, among us and above us in the Lord. Now that doesn't mean in a superior fashion. Okay? There are many people who have uh, roles in the church that I don't fulfill and yet we admonish one another. Now that's not always the case. It depends obviously the relationship. But we are to make sure that we have people in our lives who give us that authority, that have that authority to give us the authority in the Lord um, to do the things that God has called us to do. Now, that doesn't mean the church gives Christians authority. What I'm meaning is God, obviously through Christ, we have his authority. But people that God puts in our lives who are pastors, who are spiritual mentors, spiritual leaders, in that authority that God has given them, we want to be able to serve in their authority, that we you know have authority in the church as well under that leadership. So if they call you to, or they raise you up, where you become a deacon, you become an elder, you become a small group teacher, uh, you become a pastor, you, you get involved, you're volunteering, you're serving the worship team, you're so serving the men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, whatever. You're given authority, you have authority in Christ as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, but also in the organizational aspect of the church, in that body of believers that you belong to, as you serve and use your spiritual gifts and you're under that guidance and direction of that leadership, they give you authority in the authority that they have in Christ. So that's a beautiful thing. So that's why this is important where he's now saying, we urge you to make sure that you are helping those or taking care of those people around you. So when I look at my ministry and then I look at my ministry in the local church, I see there's different forms of authority that either I exercise or that I'm under. And the bottom line is we are to do things unto the Lord. And remember, he says to be at peace among yourselves. We obey our leadership. We live at peace with one another. That's the directive that Paul gives and we are to live that out. So here now, as we serve, whatever that may look like in your life, if you go back to chapter four, verses seven through 11, remember Paul expressed that Christians are to steward their spiritual gifts. So as you're stewarding your spiritual gifts for the good of others, that glorifies God. That's what we're called to do. Now, again, it's easy for you to point fingers at the leadership and say, oh, if they only did X and such. Things would be so much better. Well, let me ask you, my friends, point blank. How are you serving? Do you have a servant's heart? Now, because see, a lot of times you say, well, how are you serving? What are you doing? Again, it could be work-based. You say, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot, matter of fact. And that's probably, for some, a problem. They're doing too much. And the focus is now on the roles that you're occupying the titles that you have coveted and God is not getting the glory you are. So maybe that's some of you. And if that's the case, you just say, Lord, forgive me. I, I want I want to take care of, of people around me. I, I, I don't want to be boastful and I, I don't want people to be saying, oh, how wonderful you are because of what you do. No, I want to be a steward of the spiritual gifts that you've given me. So go back to chapter four, verses seven through 11 to help you in some of those areas so with that in mind what paul's doing now here is he's turning his his attention to the entire congregation by referring to them as brothers now i do think it's important though as we dive further into this to go back to what he said because they're, they're very quick verses in chapter 4 verses 7 through 11 remember there paul said for god has not called us for impurity but in holiness so as we submit to our leadership, as we live at peace with, with each other, and as we admonish the idol, and we'll talk about what that looks like and encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak and be patient with everybody, we are to be holy. And that's why verse 8 of chapter 4, Paul says, Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So a lot of times when we complain, remember, we have the Holy Spirit. So if you're having a difficult time submitting to godly authority, you're not submitting to the Holy Spirit. If you are not at peace with other people around your life, you're not living a holy life. Remember, holy, being holy isn't just refraining or restraining yourself from doing something sinful. Being holy is being like God. It's walking the footsteps of Jesus, living an obedient life. Yes, that is absent from sin, but it's more than that. It's, it's having this love and grace and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So being a Christian who's living a holy life is not disregarding God, but being obedient to him. And that's why he says in verse nine, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. See, that's the amazing thing because when we love one another, we're not looking at our own interests. But he says in verse 10, for that indeed is what, You are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Notice, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed. So we are to work hard, my friends, at living for Christ and not living for ourselves. So here in this passage now, when he's addressing the entire congregation and he's exhorting them as a whole, that you're not to neglect ministering to three groups. So if you're under a leadership in the church that you respect and you admire and that you have high honor and status for, good. God will use you in that environment. And God will use you to minister to three types of people like we see here in scripture, the idle, the timid, and the weak. Now the idle and the timid and the weak well, again, look pretty much the same no matter where you live, just with different names and faces, right? Now, what Paul's appeal here is to build around an initiative that goes from encouraging the church to respecting their leaders, okay? So this is reflective. And this is something that I've always measured and helped pastors see as well is when they're dealing with somebody particularly or a group or whatever, how do they respond to authority, and how are they responding to the needs around them? Because if it's all about them and what they think the leadership to do because they say so, or they, this is how they think, then it that, that person, either one needs to be removed from that position. Uh, they need to be church disciplined or they need to be asked to leave until they repent. Okay. So here, what he's trying to do is he's wanting them to be encouraged right in the church to respecting their leaders, but. And and by doing so to be concentrating on ministering to difficult people in the church. And we'll talk about that more specifically in verse 15. But what's interesting because when we get into second Thessalonians, Paul deals with the idlers more specifically, but here he addresses them. Remember, he said this in verse 11 of chapter four, but now he's discussing working hard to earn your keep. So that's very insightful. There are going to be people, my friends, that you and I will encounter who are idle. They're not willing to put in the hard work, and this is a behavior that can cause a lot of problems in different congregations. See, the Greek word is uh, "atakotis," and it has two renderings. One, it could be meaning or implying that this person is being insubordinate and disorderly. So they have they have been given clear objectives, they have been given a mandate, let's say, and they choose to not listen and obey. They've, given, they've been given boundaries, and they choose to not follow what has been laid out and not remain within the boundaries. So in one case, that could be what Paul's referring to. Another one could just simply mean they're just lazy. Now, the Tyndale Concise Bible Commentary says that this is a military term signifying the marching soldier who does not keep in proper step. So I find this to be very interesting, and I want you, especially if you are in ministry, I want you to consider for a moment the people around you, especially if you've tapped certain people uh, to be responsible of a portion of ministry, okay? Are they like a soldier who is given orders and executing them in obedience, right? Because what the Bible commentary is saying here is it literally means that an idler is somebody who is out of line, and you hear that in the military sense, right? You're out of line, soldier, but not so much in the church. And I honestly think that we need to bring that back. We need to tell people, hey, you're out of line. The, the, the money that you used, that you blew for this performance that you were saying was an outreach. And it was very expensive. And the results were, were, were not really honorable to the Lord. That was being out of line. It's a total mismanagement of God's money of being a good steward. I mean, there, there's so many examples that I can give, but that's just one of them. Or you're out of line by taking advantage of your position and not really doing much with it. I mean, the word later came to mean to develop careless habits. Okay. So if you don't address it now, things are going to continue to get worse. And so I pray that that encourages some of you guys. That as you admonish the idler, you have to call them out and say you're out of line and show them, and and stay on them because the the word renders uh, developing careless habits. And so the more these people, these more more, the, if we have people in the church, my friends, who become idlers and they're being insubordinate, they're out of line, and they start developing careless habits, that is going to bleed over to other areas. I've seen it. I've seen it. So we have to make sure that we're admonishing the idlers by calling them out if it's insubordination, if it's disorderly conduct, if it's being lazy, um, if they're out of line by what they've done. Address it so that it doesn't continue to get worse. The second audience of people is the faint-hearted. Now this is translated disheartened or feeble-minded. It can literally mean lacking sufficient heart. So it's different than idlers. These Christians are called to encourage and comfort kind of, uh, you know, people that have severe emotional grief. So a form of difficult people in the church can be people who are being insubordinate, obviously. That, that's a given. But how many people actually deal with them or just hope that they just leave, right? I, I get that a lot too when I talk to pastors and like oh, all these difficult people. I said, well, how did it end? They said, "They just left. And they took a group of people with them. So did you address it? Like, well, we tried to, but it really didn't get anywhere. And a lot of times what they're saying is they just were sick and tired of that person. And I'm like, was that really, again, admonishing the idler? Or was that really uh, using your authority wisely to, to hopefully draw those people to repentance? Because sometimes the loud mouth type people who go around complaining all the time, they need a dose of their own medicine, not in retaliatory fashion, but they need uh, firmness. They need sternness from somebody who is godly, who's not going to back down. There were times when Elijah had to do that. There's times when Jeremiah had to do that. There's times that Jesus himself at the temple and with the Pharisees in Matthew 23, the woes chapter, he had to do that, okay? So there is a time that we need to do that. Now, in this case, with people are faint-hearted, we are to encourage people who have emotional grief. Now, some people have a difficult time Grieving with others, showing emotion. Some people get very uncomfortable with that. But we as Christians, we are called to, you know, those who lack sufficient heart, those who are having a hard time, uh, you know, getting through the day, the week, the month. We need to be there to support them and to grieve with them if necessary. Remember, Paul didn't just command people to admonish and care for others. Here he's telling them to to come alongside them and to love them. He said, remember, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's the example that we are to set. In my recent travels, I remember I was, you know, hopping to different places. And, you know, especially when you're talking on a subject like suffering and grief and loss, I mean, it could open the floodgates and you have to be ready to to patiently and graciously listen to people's stories. And I found now, as I've gotten older and, and, and Lord continue to work in my life, you know, in the process of sanctification, amen, that it's not that I don't care. Sometimes, I, I almost want to avoid it because I get so emotionally attached. My heart just breaks for, this, for the people that, that God has blessed me to encounter in my travels. One comes to mind where, again, talk about somebody who I was trying to encourage who was faint-hearted. Um, you know, his wife had left him and he was raising the kids by himself and, and didn't know how he was going to, you know, get through the week. Not not financially, just emotionally, and was touching on all the areas of his life that he just did not feel um, he was adequate in, and he needed so much help, and he was desperate, and he was so feeble, and he was awkward, and was intimidated, and I just I just grabbed a hold of him, and sat him down, my undivided attention, put my books down just said you shared your heart let's let's go before god with our hearts broken before our heavenly father I gave him a big hug you know and gave my contact information and made sure that he was plugged into a good church where he's being fed which he was which was good to hear and just encourage him to hey follow up with these pastors and let him know that you had this experience with me at this conference and and encouraging you to get back into discipleship and it's okay to ask for help. Matter of fact, you need it more than ever. And your kids, they need it as well. And so that's that's encouraging the faint-hearted. That is coming along some people who, my friends, who um, need to be comforted. So ask yourself, who are people that may be going through a, dif- they're not difficult, but they're going through a difficult time. And how are you comforting them? The third group of people is the weak. Now, in the New Testament, this word weak can refer to physical limitations, but I I tend to think that Paul generally was using it to apply to spiritual weakness. Now, clearly there are people in our lives who have some type of infirmity. I was around a a recent family who they're battling cancer. So they're going to have specific needs that other families who are not battling cancer have. And so how can we minister to them specifically as they are battling a horrific disease? So here it tends to, you know, lean towards the weak person is someone who is spiritually not inept or spiritually ignorant, but rather as Paul said in Romans 51, he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to please, and not to please ourselves. I, so I tend to think here that Paul is saying, Hey, there are people who are not as strong as you are in your faith. And, Obviously not going around boasting about that, but just saying, Lord, how many people in my sphere of influence are weak in their faith and how can I grow them in their faith? How can I make them strong? My friends, to be honest, that's one reason why, a big reason I would say that I started this podcast uh, a few years ago. Now again, it could be easy on this side of the mic to put together notes, uh, but I, I i do this not in a sermon approach you know like a preaching approach but just having a bible study with you looking through scripture and and helping where you are at as i pray and say lord you know the audience is so diverse and um i i don't know all the needs but i don't need to because you do and i just want to be faithful with your word to help uh, the people to admonish the idols in their lives um the idlers that is to encourage the faint-hearted to help the weak if there are people who are failing in their life, if there's a sin that's dominating them and they're new in their faith and they're weak in their faith and they need your help, will you do that? And notice also, he says, be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. Once again here, Paul stresses to the Thessalonians that we need to have patience. It's hard to to endure uh, through these kind of things when we can't control the outcome. You know, if, if you lack patience right now with your leaders, if you lack patience with the people that are in your small group, if there are difficult people um, in your life that you're struggling, make sure that you are not doing it in your own strength. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is patient, right? Love is kind. And and you'll get through that in the love of Christ, but we need to be patient. And that leads now to verse 15 when we're not to pay back anyone for evil, okay? So we're not in this repayment, retaliatory uh, measured life where we give credence to it. Like we, 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 we make the argument as to why we're deserving of something or why we have the right to do that to so-and-so because of how mean they were. You know, I, I can't, and I don't want to, Right? It's not healthy and it's not appropriate to mention names or uh, to list. Even if I saw, I got 20 people right now. You know what? At the end of the day, I just give it to the Lord. I'm not going to let difficult people who have wronged me, said bad things about me, who've judged me and have never apologized about it to ruin what God is doing in my life and the people that he's called me to impact in his name. I'm not. You know, a lot of us can sit around and talk about all the bad that has happened in our lives. And if you've listened to me long enough, or you've, you've gotten a chance to hear my testimony, you know that I didn't have an easy life, but I don't go around telling that to people all the time. I look at that and I thank the Lord, you know, one of the instances that happened in my life being molested. And I say, you know what, you know, I don't blame God for that. But now through that, God has, again, given me a heart of patience and love and comfort. So when I'm talking to a victim of abuse or molestation, even though in most of the time, sadly, for, for these people, these victims, it's been far worse than I ever experienced. And I just, my heart just breaks. But see, there's, there's empathy and sympathy because I can relate. I know the feeling of being violated as a child or when my mom died at 15 and God using that loss, the person that meant the most to me, who can ease the pain, who just was able to settle me, who knew me, who was patient with me, who disciplined me, who was the example of faith and reading scripture, but trusting God in the midst. So when I look back now, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. So it's not a matter of doing it over again. It's saying, Lord, you allow this to happen in my life. You are faithful. And what can I do to serve you and to meet the needs around me? How can I be more patient with people? So when it comes to difficult people now in verse 15, I'm not looking to repay the evil that they do. But notice, but says, but always seek, meaning, but always pursue, strive to do good to one another. So how am I doing the good? So the principle of non-retaliation is so vitally important in our lives. This is something that Jesus taught us. He taught us not to seek personal retaliation. And you think about how often as we as Christians do. Remember he said in Matthew 5, 38 through 42, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That's what Jesus said. Paul said elsewhere in Romans twelve seventeen, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of our Lord, or excuse me, I don't know why I said, in the sight of all in the sight of all. So that's how we seek justice, my friends, is not by being revengeful, not retaliating. Now, there's a difference, by the way, and I feel like I need to say this, that if you, and that's not speaking your mind as though justifying how harsh you can be, but when you speak the truth in love by confronting someone, again, they could be an idler, they can be someone who's being insubordinate, or somebody who has attacked you, okay? You can confront that person, and you can you can speak out against the sin that they've committed against you, and hopefully they'll see that. But if they don't, that doesn't give us a right to retaliate them and to do to them what they did to you, or far worse, right? Paul says that we are to do good to one another and to everyone. That's what he emphasizes. He emphasizes that Christians are to strive to live at peace with also non-believers. Now this is a very hard teaching. This is something that's hard for us to to follow and to obey to the T because our flesh wants to to pay back any wrongdoing that a person inflicts upon us, right? And certainly that was the case with the Thessalonians, you guys. They were being persecuted in their faith. They were called by God to extend charity. They were called by God to extend hospitality amid the violence, And so if, if, if we are going to exercise restraint with difficult people, what do we have to be doing? We have to be loving others. We have to be taking care of the needs of people around us to develop that patience as well, my friends, because see, when you're serving and you're being patient with people who need your advice, who need your friendship, who need you to pour into them, who are in need of comfort and you're giving that to them. I guarantee when you then are dealing with people who are retaliating against you, attacking you, uh, saying things that are false about you, whatever the case may be, it could be family, friends, whatever, that you're going to be able to handle that by not retaliating against them, but instead honoring that person. Now you can seek for reconciliation. You can call out their sin. Uh, You can show them how, uh, what or what they did was wrong this is not you know again the the blame game pointing fingers but just pointing out the facts and they can um, still accuse you and and turn it on you and then you're not reconciled but that doesn't mean that you can't forgive that person you can forgive them in your heart you can release that person the wrongdoing that they again whether it be a form of ignorance but most of the time it's disobedience, that they're unwilling to admit their sin. Yes, you won't be reconciled with that individual, but in your heart, you can forgive them. You can release them that way. And so I pray that as you look at your life, that you're taking care of the needs of people around you, while at the same time, you're exercising restraint with difficult people So I pray that that encourages you, my friends. As always, you can go to StandStrongMinistries.org. Check out all the books that we have available for you guys that I've written through the years. Like I said, we have two new ones coming out. So I encourage you, you can go to Amazon right now and you could pre-order one of my books that is going to be coming out called Parenting Gen Z, How to Navigate Your Child in a Hostile Culture. You could pre-order that right now. And my other book, Hijacking Jesus, was Salem Books, How Progressives Are Remaking Him and Taking Over the Church, will be available, uh, Lord willing, by the spring of this year. And so you can find out more information by going to standstrongministries.org. And I encourage you guys, while you're there, checking out our articles and other resources, my other podcast, Challenging Conversations, that I do with Edify, with The Christian Post, you guys can also click on Donate and become a monthly donator um, who can contribute to the ongoing work that we're doing and not only producing podcasts like this one, but preaching around the globe, particularly right now in America, as we are dealing with a lot of cancel culture things, a lot of wokeness, a lot of progressive Christianity. We now more than ever are, are building up a team, uh, a network of Christian leaders, apologists, pastors and teaching them to combat against a false gospel that has infiltrated the church. And so if you want to stand with us, please do so by going to our website, StandStrongMinistries.org, clicking on Donate, and becoming a Stand Strong supporter. Till next time, my friends, keep standing strong in your faith.